Good Wednesday morning. This is On the Ground Ipsy on 89.1 WEMU, and that means it is time to have a chat with our friend, Brianna Kelly. Good morning, Brianna. Good morning. And this is part of our continuing media partnership here as Concentrate Media has the project On the Ground Ipsy going all throughout 2018, and uh, we're proud to bring you in each week, or you come in and bring us guests, and we chat about the story that you published uh, early this morning. So what is, uh, what's, your, what's your topic for the week, and what was your focus? I wrote about a citizen-led coalition that was recently formed called Rising for Economic Democracy in Ipsy. And I brought Eric Kamuni with me, who's part of the coalition. All right, so Rising for Economic Diversity or Democracy in Ypsilanti. Um, Erica, welcome. Hi, thank you. So uh, tell me a little bit, Erica, about, can we just call it ready? To, ready, yep. yeah. So I don't yep. tr- stumble over the incorrect words over and over again. Just to be clear, it is Rising for Economic Democracy in Ipsy, but we'll call it ready. So Erica, um, what is your role with ready? And give us a little insight into what it does. Uh, my role in Ready is basically to help coordinate the building of it as a coalition. So I'm just part of a team that gets together and shares our resources and our needs to work towards passing an equitable community benefits ordinance in the city. So tell me, what is a CBO? What is a community benefits ordinance? What does it do? Are there other cities around us that might have something comparable? Uh, community benefits ordinance is a legal mechanism that creates essentially a enforceable document of community members negotiating what they would need and want from any incoming development. So it's not any incoming development. They're part of the ordinance that, uh, as it's drafted, it will specify is it a, a development that's receiving tax breaks? Is it public land? There's very specific, um, what they call them triggers, that would and um, trigger the creation of a community benefits agreement. So, so it's kind of a citizen panel that would sit in with, and just tell me if I'm wrong, with, <laughs> with our city leaders to talk with them about potential large-scale development within Ypsilanti. Um, or to give insight bit. on how it would affect them as community or representative members of the community. Um, A little bit. Basically what would happen is right now, if there's a development proposal that's responding to any public land or up for review at the planning department, they have to go through a process that only includes uh, very few public input meetings. And so the community benefits Fenice ordinance would lay out uh, essentially a new infrastructure that would make the public input process more robust and also legally enforceable. So it wouldn't just be community members sitting down with leaders. It would provide the legitimacy of that community group to negotiate directly with the developer. So it's specific to each development. And just to to be clear there, you were talking about um, Community meetings have open speaking. You can sign up and you can speak your piece, but there's absolutely no impetus for them to follow that besides not wanting to tick off their voting base and their their uh, the people that will support them. I mean, 500 people could come in and say this is a horrible idea, and the city at the moment could say, well, we're going to do it anyways. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened with International Village, which right. was a large reason why this group was catalyzed, because so many people, um, whether they were for or against that proposal for the Water Street land, they wanted a more equitable process, because there was a lot of input that wasn't heated. So let's talk, if you can, specifically about the Water Street project for a moment. Were there specific points within how that happened, or was it the project itself, or what was it that, that really drove you to action here? Or was it a little bit of everything. 
Uh, yeah, that's a really long answer. Okay. But basically, the short answer is that there was a lot of very specific red flags throughout the process that were um, ignoring public input and a lack of due diligence that uh, came up and just made people realize that there's power in what citizens can do without needing to depend on the city staff, which to, to respect the city staff as well, our city is everyone's working, you know, wearing many hats. And so there's just an opportunity to sort of widen whose voice matters and widen who really has valuable input and skills and expertise to inform future developments. So this community benefits ordinance, is it something that uh, can be seen in action in other places that we might be familiar with? Like, is there one in Ann Arbor or something like that? The actually only other community benefits ordinance that's on the books in any um, part of the country right now that I'm aware of is in Detroit. And the one that's passed in Detroit is actually a very weak version of a community benefits ordinance that was drafted by the community. So there was two proposals for very different ordinances on their ballot. One was made through a three-year-plus process of community input. And the second one, the one that passed, was put on the ballot just a few weeks before the election. And it has no legal enforceability and it doesn't require any of the the, the essential components that make it a strong citizen-led uh, proposal. So Ready right now is a group that's together, being put together to try and get something on the ballot for November. Is that your goal? Actually, we're working with council member uh, Lois Richardson, and she is also communicating with our assistant city attorney who's drafting the ordinance. So one of our goals and our hopes is that as a smaller city and uh, with a much not corrupt council as Detroit has, um, we have the opportunity to work directly with um, elected officials and hopefully with the city staff to um basically just listen to each other before it would have to be voted upon and draft an ordinance that could go forth from this from Lois as a councilwoman to be passed. So would your preference be that it get voted in just by our city council or would your preference be that it goes out to the people to make it a, a truly democratic process within the city? That's a really good question, and I don't think that at this point I have a clear answer because we haven't really seen or heard uh, how the feedback from uh, the city attorney as he's drafting the ordinance has gone. The memo that he released already uh, was very similar to the quote-unquote bad ordinance or the one that's in Detroit right now, which is doesn't have any legal enforceability, um, but we have been gathering feedback and communicating with him, so it's still early on in the process and hard to say whether that feedback will be respected and integrated, and so it's it's up in the air. Now, traditionally, in, in the way that city governments work, what you're looking, the act, I don't want to use the word activism, but the, the kind of changes you're looking to get put in place would normally occur by people simply running for city council seats or for the mayor's seat, um, you know, why not go that route? Why not just put people into positions of authority that you would trust to make these decisions? Uh, that's a great question. And there's definitely members of Ready that are running for office. So that's not um, excluded from sort of the next steps. So you're hitting it from both angles. Yeah, um, mostly for me personally, it's about shifting the power dynamic so that it's not just a small group of people who have decision-making power. It's about improving what we accept as normal for public input and, it, again, widening the scope of who has a really respected seat at the table. Let's talk about the CBO for a moment. It's uh, It would be 
legally binding action created by a small group of non-elected officials, essentially, or non-elected citizens of Ypsilanti. So the Community Benefits Ordinance would specify how each group would be formed per each development. So a Community Benefits Ordinance just is basically like enabling legislation for any Community Benefits Agreement. So this is only triggered if another Water Street development comes along or something like that, that the city saying, okay, this is a big scale development. It's going to affect lots of people in Ypsilanti. We want input. Let's let's get the CBO going and let's bring them in to have a chat. Yes, except it would be a CBA. Okay. So the CBO itself just would, um, I mean, the CBO would have to specify, again, what those triggers would be. Would it be all publicly owned land? Would it be only if they're getting a certain amount of tax breaks? Would it be over a certain dollar amount of investment? Um, and so that all would be in the ordinance. And then each agreement would convene a group, um, and that host community group, as they call it, um, would again be specified in the CBO, whether it would be a you know by census tract or by ward or since we're so small, there's been a lot of discussion of having at least one member from each ward and then more specific members from the neighborhoods directly around whatever proposed development. But for example, with Water Street, it's such a large property centrally in the city, it's hard to say that it doesn't influence everyone who lives in the city, let alone the region. Now, I know in a straight city council vote, if there's not enough majority of votes, then the matter doesn't go forward. With a with the CBO and then and then you getting together as a CBA, does a similar kind of structure hold place where it's a simple majority rules, or is there more definition of how the um, the group progresses? With can you change the proposal? Can you you know you mentioned meeting with a developer? Tell me, give me kind of an insight into how that panel actually functions. Well, again, all of that would be specified in the ordinance. So some of it is up in the air. But from my understanding, uh, essentially each community benefits agreement would have its panel of people, say, for example, 10 people. Um, and you would possibly, there's a discussion of having one person be appointed by council um, to be a tiebreaker, and the rest would be nominated by the community. So it would be by vote, but whether it would be two-thirds or a simple majority is still up for the specifics of the ordinance. So in the people being appointed to this, it sounds similar to some of the advisory boards and things that cities already have in place. Not saying that the function is the same, but people nominate, it's not elected positions. So somebody nominates you or someone else and they say, you'd be good for the police advisory commission. And then the council members get to vote on it. Um, how would the person actually be selected rather than just being nominated to get into these uh, these panels? Uh, I'm a little bit confused, though, because most of the, I mean, all the commissions that we have at the city level are appointed by the mayor. Right, that's chosen. what I'm saying. So it, somebody can be selected or be um, nominated in a way that they, they should be on this. Pl- they, they ask for volunteers. They have Sorry. to apply. Right, right. yes. There, that, that was what I was going for. They ask for volunteers if they have a commission that has an opening, and then the mayor appoints that person to the commission. Mm-hmm. What you're suggesting is a similar process where you have this um, uh, development coming into place. Okay, the, the CBA is triggered. We need a panel. The community, depending on how the panel is subdivided in the city, chooses the members how how does that function work? How does, um, if you do it by ward, how does the third ward pick a member for this panel? Well, there's a lot of examples, including a lot of um, what we're drawing from is from participatory democracy, uh, liquid democracy. There's a lot of different options. But essentially what Reddy is saying is that you can 
um, join us as we're meeting, reach out, have your input um, be taken into account and be part of how the change happens and what those specifics looks like. Or you can later be told how to come along with the changes that have been made. So is this in a way a step between I want to be involved in the city's decisions as an elected official and I just don't want to be involved at all besides voting. Is this a middle ground where you're not an elected official, but you're given enough impetus and charge with the CBO that you can actually make legally binding decisions within the city of Ypsilanti? You could phrase it that way. I see it as an incremental step towards having a legitimate democracy, since if you look historically at how recently um, all citizens, women of any, you know, people of any gender, people of any race, being allowed to vote is relatively recent in the scope of history. And so it's basically just taking steps to continue making democracy that we have, a democracy of integrity that includes everyone's voices and has yeah. multiple Right, but I mean, ways. for 242 years, we've lived in a democratically elected republic. We don't actually live in a democracy. So we rely on our elected officials to make decisions on behalf of us, for us, um, how do you get to a point where a true democracy for these types of decisions exists where you would have input from tens of thousands of people on any given matter of this scope? Well, that's part of what we're asking, and that's part of what we're researching, and we're looking at places that are doing that and places that are trying to do that, and it's not an answer that I think, personally, I might ever see in my lifetime, but that's But this is the path towards that. Yep. Okay, so you're looking to get to a place where every citizen has a yay or nay on major decisions like this, uh, something big comes up. And we do that every once in a while. For example, a, a constitutional change in the state of Michigan needs to go to a ballot vote. So everyone that can vote can participate in that process. So I think what it sounds like is you're getting to a place where in the city of Ypsilanti, certain conditions like large-scale developments that will affect a mass portion of the populace of the city would then, then go to a popular vote with using this the CBA forming the panel as a, a mechanism for that. And then eventually evolve towards a place where it might just be everybody votes. It could be, yeah. I mean, part of the impetus for me is just recognizing that the way that things are working now isn't respecting everyone's needs, and there's different ways of making decisions and really proactively reaching out to engage people that have historically been ignored or exploited or, you know, erased from from having input. And that's the last question I want to get out of this is I think anyone that's spent a significant amount of time in Ypsilanti knows exactly what you're talking about, which is you have very divided portions of the city. You have um, a poor population, a poorer population out to the east, a poorer population out to the south. You have the downtown area. You have the different neighborhoods. You have a much more affluent area over here in College Heights. I mean, everybody knows how the city is essentially segregated in many ways. Mm -hmm. How does this cross those boundaries in a way that isn't currently happening with the structure of government that Ypsilanti has? Uh, that's a good question. I think part of it is just revealing that we are segregated and that you can look at things like urban renewal that really explicitly made infrastructural moves to segregate the city. And um, just, just a way of saying, hey, this is where we're at. This is a reality. And it's not healthy. And it's not, you know, coming from a place of genuinely inclusive diversity and recognition of the strengths of our community. And um, it's hard to answer that because, again, it comes down to creating new mechanisms for people to be involved. And part of it is just 
exposing and talking about that we don't have all the answers by ourselves in our segregated places. Ready right now is a coalition uh, that you're a member of. Give me an example. Does does do you feel like the um, people that make up Ready right now are representative of the kind of diversity in Ypsilanti that you'd like to get to, or do you need to do more work there? I'm really glad that you asked that question because I don't think that it's representative fully of a broad cross-section of the community. I have spoken to Brianna, actually, during our interview about how I felt uncomfortable speaking for Ready, and I've spoken to many of my um, friends and peers. Um, Human Relations Commissioner Kyle Hunter just the other day was telling me that this is about one thing that I paraphrased earlier, that it's not about saying, do this or don't do this. It's about saying this is a way to make changes and make them collectively now. And you can either choose to be part of that discussion and choose how the changes are being made, or you can show up later when the changes have been made and figure out how to float with that. If we want to learn more about Ready, can we find you on Facebook or on the web, or do you have a place we can go look for more information about you? Uh, right now, because we're still figuring out whether we're a nonprofit or we have a fiduciary or not, we don't have our own website. We have a Facebook page. And um, basically, there's an event on Saturday at uh, Riverside Art Center at noon in the downstairs gallery, which will be our um, really delving into the content of the ordinance. So, And, Brandon, you got that in your uh, story as well, information about that and links to them? Yep. Welcome back. Thanks. We had a good conversation. <laughs> that was a good here. conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed you. listening to it. Erica, thank you so much for uh, coming out here today. Uh, keep us apprised of progress with Ready. Uh, we're really interested to see uh, you know, the development of a new form of democratic representation within the city we love. Thank you. Me too. Uh, Brianna, let's uh, chalk real quick, concentratemedia.com, facebook.com slash concentrateA2. Yep. Of course, we're at WEMU.org. Uh, what's, what do you got going on for next week? I'll be writing about the exciting Black Panther screening that's happening Ooh. on Friday. Uh, about 150 YCS students will be attending. That sounds Thanks like to Hero a Nation. Ton of fun. Tons of fun. So say hi to Jermaine. Uh, we'll talk to him next week. Yep. Great. Thank you so much. This is 891 WEMU FM and HD1 Ypsilanti.